0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Got your co-host here, Justin Knott. And I'm really excited to start the year um, with a topic that's really right up our alley. But we have a guest, Dr. Ginger Bratzel, who's joining us to talk about marketing and making your practice more attractive to patients as we move into 2022 and all that shifting landscape. So I'm really excited because it's a topic that we do talk a lot on on the podcast. And I know our listeners are really interested in. Before we get into it and take a deeper dive, Dr. Bratzel, A, thanks for coming on. And B, why don't you go ahead and introduce us and tell a little bit about your backstory, kind of moving from a dentist to what you're doing now in the marketing consulting world?
1: Yo, thank you so much for having me on. Hey guys, I'm Ginger Bratzel and it's wonderful to be here. But my background, yes, is in dentistry. I wanted to be a dentist all my life. And in fact, I bought a dental practice before I was even out of dental school. I was so set on where I was going to go. I had been searching, everything like that. Left the old dentist there to run it. And I knew it had a lot of problems, but I knew shiny, perfect me with a new dental degree and all this fancy equipment's going to run in there and just change the world. And boy, I got slapped in the face and (laughs) a big, huge disappointment. So I went around building my business the wrong way for a long time. I got more in debt. I spent a lot of time doing things, getting extra initials after my name, everything, kind of what they taught us in the industry, it all revolved around the care and what you did. And so, you know, I had to stop doing that because all I was doing was hurting myself and not building the business. And so turned around and looked at it from a business building standpoint. And he was like, you got to give more people what they want and to be able to communicate them and what they want. And all those underlying factors that I, I never got in dental school. So when I figured that out and I looked at it and really started talking to them differently, positioning us differently, things took off really rapidly. So where I was stuck and slow for, I thought ever paying my dues, it kind of turned around really quickly. And I really didn't understand and appreciate it, how, how rare that was until I got a call one day from my accountant and he, he asked to pull me out of work, which he never did and said he needed to talk to me right then. And so I thought, Oh my gosh, I've done something terribly wrong. And, and that long walk down to my office to pick up the phone, I was just thinking of everything in the worst world that could happen. And I picked it up and he said, I, I'm in your QuickBooks and there's a problem. There is too much money in it and i think it's an accounting entry but it's not just like one day someone entered it wrong there's all these days there's a lot more money in there someone's been doing this wrong because i've been your accountant for seven years i work exclusively dentist i know what you should be making and i said oh no that's not a mistake we're, we're doing better and he said explain that to me and so i just went back and i explained to him just like i was telling him how we're doing things differently how we refocused it and he got quiet again and he said do you think this is something unique to you like is this only in your area there's this gold goose egg that fell in here or the special insurance that only you take? And I'm like, no. He said, do you think someone else could do it? And I said, absolutely. He said, well, good. Because I have three clients on the line uh, I'm going to be talking to next. I have a medical practice, a dental practice, and they're not doing so great. And I've got to break some hard news to them. And so uh, can I please just give them your name and number? And if you're willing, can you share what you did with them and see if they could do it too? And that's how my life changed from dentistry to helping businesses and medical practices, dental practices grow. And so it's... It's a system, it's a framework because you know when people are people and we could adapt it to whatever style they had or type of practice they have and, and just took off from there. And so I split my time doing dentistry half part-time and doing this half time, and then about 12 years ago went exclusively in helping other practices build and have what they really want to get and keep all the clients and customers and patients they can handle.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Uh, And I love that over the last 12 years, having that clinical background, I think really is such a game changer because healthcare, as you know, is really, really unique. Just there's so many moving parts. There's so many Things between insurance and cash-based and running the practice versus being a clinician and a practitioner and the patient point of care versus the back end of the office to actually make money. As you know, and people talk around it all the time, is uh, medical school is certainly failing physicians. At teaching them to be entrepreneurs and right. then they get out there and make more money than anybody else does. So it's like the biggest trap of all is <laughs> you have the most medical bills, you make the most money and you have one of the least amount of educations on actually running a business because you didn't go to business school. To back up, you talked about kind of, kind of systematizing it and, and your approach and, and how you were growing your practice and what you're teaching people. I'd like to talk to what you've seen over the last, especially year or two, because COVID has obviously created a massive shift in the market, Mm -hmm. but I think it's really just accelerated things that were already occurring and things we've been talking about for years and it just was forced upon everybody. So I don't know if it's really changed or more shortened the timeline. So talk to some of the things that you're seeing that either practices need to be paying attention to or that you're teaching the practices from a marketing standpoint to help them grow post-COVID. Well,
1: I think what COVID did, as you said, I, I think really it, it didn't change things. It just put a, a magnifying glass on it. Yeah. So businesses that were in, business were in trouble before because they were ignoring what they needed to do were just in more trouble. And so we talk about going around buying people, buying practices at wholesale costs right now because those businesses were struggling and they never adapted. They never in, in, in went about it. When you say you know, medical school does not teach you how to be an entrepreneur, they teach you to be an employee. They yeah, want you to work for, for somebody sure. else. And if you do want to be an entrepreneur, they go through and they say, find somebody who's really smart, hire them and they'll run it, which I think is another mistake because you cannot hand off responsibility as the leader of the ship with the driven and the the, the vision and going forward. Because even if that person wants to help you and they hire another person that wants to help you, you can think about it being in a boat. Everyone's paddling a different direction. It's never going to go forward. So as a captain, your job is to synchronize the strokes. They're doing the, the, the work, but you're having the... The vision you have the map and the compass and you're leading your troops off and the way to go it but i think a lot of people when it came to before covid and still now they put too much power into outsourcing things so they buy stuff i go to dental conventions and they don't know if i'm a marketer they don't know if i'm a dentist and i go to marketing conventions they don't know either way and healthcare professionals this is literally what people say are easy targets you know i want someone says i want to get in this business i want to I'll be a website designer that's what they'll say. And they say, okay, you have no experience. You have no idea what you're doing. Go out and go after healthcare professionals because they have discretionary income. They don't know what they're doing. Go after them. You know, you, you'll kill it in that market. And that's what they always tell them the first market. So the most inexperienced people in marketing are going after, and there's hard to sort who knows what they're doing, and who doesn't when you don't know what's doing. So you have to be in charge of that vision and know what's going on. doesn't mean you have to run it. You don't mean you have to do it yourself, but you have to understand what's going on. And so, you know, people were t- dependent on social media saying, well, I need social media. I got to get this out there. I've got to have a website. I got to do this. Um, I want to have a blog or a podcast. I'm going to throw it out there, but there's no vision and tension behind it. And when COVID happened, what patients were longing for the most was a stability and security and to, to have that connection. And people have put, um, practices have put in so many barriers in between you and the patient that when this happened, you lost contact. It used to be in a just world a long time ago. When you got a patient, they were your patient for life. I had a patient who was 45 years old and I was his second dentist in his life. You know, that was that was a rarity because and the only reason I was the second dentist is because he moved and his other dentist retired. He had to change. Now people are looking for a healthcare provider different every appointment. There is no loyalty. There is no longevity to that relationship. So we've got away from that. We don't have those personal relationships. You know, most of the entrepreneurs and the healthcare professionals. I work for work in a community, they're not part of that community, you know, they, they still treat it as very distant. And so when COVID happens, you know, people are looking for that connection again and knowing you're going to be there. And, you know, I had offices that shut down and said, because of COVID, we can't be open. We can't uh, practice. They didn't have anyone answering the phone. You could still have people answering the phone. You could still see from emergencies. And so that relationship's gone. But it comes back, you know, we really, it always comes back to, you've got to really understand your ideal patient, what they truly need. And it's not a diagnosis. You know, they need, is it confidence? They need pain relief. They, they need stability. They need to know a family member taking care of. Very emotional phase. And all of that is built on that. And then whatever you diagnose is going to fulfill that. And that's what I think as a healthcare professional, they taught us to talk differently. You know, we didn't call them people anymore. They're like, no, it's a male patient age 42 instead of some dude. They don't, they don't let us say that anymore, but it comes back to this. This is some dude, you know, someone's really important in in the community and they deserve that connection.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think to your point there at the end, it's surprising because it's a mainstay in most other business verticals. If you're thinking whether it's the auto industry selling cars or it's real estate agents finding their niche of who they want to sell homes to, um, most other business verticals, when you sit down, you do a business strategy, you think about who your your consumer avatar is and you put that on paper and then that's who you're focusing on going after. And while most physicians who own practices and whatever, whether they're a dentist or they're a physician, they usually off the top of their head can tell you, well, these are the types of patients that I typically see, whether it's at an age range or specific type. But I'd say 99% of the clients that we bring on board have never actually documented that. And then it's like, well, from a framework standpoint, what are you talking about? How are you positioning yourself? What type of patient? Because not every patient is right for you from the standpoint of, especially when you're thinking about your brand and your marketing online and what type of expertise you're trying to position yourself as. And that's really surprising because it seems like it's really simple, but I'd say most physicians just breeze right by it when they go about building their business and never actually sit down and say, Hey, these are the types of surgeries I want to do more of. And from an equation standpoint, B, that means these are the types of patients I need to be marketing to.
1: Right. And I think the easiest way to do this, because everyone says, well, how do I do that? And that gets very complicated. Let's, let's take it back. Simply. We take it back as an exercise and said, who are your favorite patients? Okay, and so I said, give me ten of them, and then all of a sudden we find you know several things in common with them, but they really like this one guy. And you know, for me, I can tell my example, my practice, especially healthcare providers, they'd go after. Well, there's a new employer in town, and they have blank X insurance, and they pay okay. So I'm going to go after them. Well, that's the worst reason to go after somebody. And so you know, when we started looking at it, go back, who's our best patients? I had a lot of patients that didn't have insurance. I like them. If they made an appointment, they showed up, they paid cash, you know, like, would you take a cash discount? Oh, heck yeah. I I'm going to clear the whole day to come in. Could you do that for me? Oh yes, I could. And you know, for my, my area where I was in my practice, we were kind of a rule overlap. I had a bunch of ranchers. They answered yes to every one of those questions for me. And so I was like, you know, why don't we have a thousand of those? And so all of a sudden, when I knew who they were, what they looked like, I gave them, you know, my avatar name, what they drove. So my parking lot was accommodated so I could park a horse trailer in there because they usually came to town and did that too. You know, did you take cash? You know, Some people say, no, we don't take cash. Yes, we take cash. Can you plan a whole day? Yes, we would do that. And so then my marketing message, I was talking in their language. It was at their level. It wasn't all dental terms or medical terms. We weren't given diagnoses. This is, I was where they, they hung out. So if there was some association they were affiliated with, I was in that association. We would send out mail. We would do targeted Facebook ads to those associations, to people in those groups. And it it's just easier when you work with people you like.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. How do you approach, I'd love your insights. Cause you've been around um, for a long time doing this. It is There is a changing of the guard that is going on in the world of healthcare in terms of what I call the gray hair physicians and dentists, the ones that have been around for 30, 40 years they don't put the emphasis on marketing because a lot of them Mm -hmm. honestly don't have to. They have a huge book of business. They have a huge, huge deep well of referral sources. They're booked out three to six months, but you've got this whole other group that's coming out of their fellowships or coming out of dental school. They've grown up in a world of social media and digital marketing, and at least a high level understanding of the importance that's put on it. So you've got almost a power struggle. You've got young partners, and then you've got the partners that are like, I'm good. And it's not going to affect my bottom line one way or the other, because I'm booked out for three months. So there's a really big, and that's unfortunately, like say in the orthopedic world, we get a lot of those calls that there's not much we can do. Cause it's like, I'm the new partner. I just joined a practice. I'm out on an Island at their new location. I'm the only physician here. I don't have a book of business. I don't have anyone referring to me and I can't get any of the other partners on board to invest any money into marketing. Could you do anything for me? It's like, ah, uh, well, it's really difficult. So what? I love your insights because that, that is that's it, already arrived. But how do you help practices that do have multiple board members involved making decisions and you do have a very old school and new school approach to how they want to address marketing and then you Mm -hmm. have budget sitting in the middle and nothing ever gets moved?
1: Well, I go back to, I disagree about the the older doctors saying that they're all set. I I find a lot of them are set in their mindset, but those numbers that they have are plateaued and they're not continuing. So when we look at inflationary rights, they're actually down, but They're sitting on it and they're just, they're willing to let things go. So they've got an associate in there. They're going to let whatever happens and they're going to leave it to them, or they're going to, a lot of them are just going to let the practices die off and they're gone, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. I hate that part. So I, you know, I, I hear that too. And then the other thing is, like you said, how do I make my doctor, senior doctor do this? How do I make them do this? How do I make this do that? And it comes back to a little bit of leadership, first of all, because if you are in charge of bringing in business, you have to have the tools, and assets to do that. So when I put out a marketing budget and a marketing campaign, and I explain it to any of my clients, that it's not to get my name out there. So if I say I'm going to do something on social media, I have a budget of five thousand dollars or ten thousand. Well, if it doesn't generate five thousand or ten thousand back, then we don't do it. And with any marketing, we start with a scale. We start small and something we can wrap up. But it has to, the revenue has to equal. So when I go to talk to these doctors, I'm saying this is not an experiment. It's not a donation it's not money we're going to burn through. This is something trackable. We're going to get conversions off of it, or we're not going to continue to do it. So, I mean, with anything, especially a scientific mind, I think this is what appealed to me for as a dentist. With with anything you do, you've got to have a, a, a result, a trackable result. So going out and doing that. So if they say, I'm going to do more social media, I'm going to say, okay, what's the budget and how much we're we going to generate from it. And if you can't generate it, we're not going to do it. So all the marketing I ever recommend to do is all direct response. If I, don't, if I can't track it, I don't know what what's coming from it, we don't do it. So I think that's part of it is showing them it's not a waste. When I go to meetings, I'll I'll talk and then you go to the break and someone will catch you and say, well, what should my marketing budget be? And they want me to give them a number. And my answer is always, if I spend a dollar, I want a dollar back. So I'm not telling you to spend 6% or 10% or whatever number it is, because if I'm not getting it back, I don't want you even to spend 1%. So it has to be trackable, it has to come back and it has to show a result.
0: How are you talking through the tracking side with clients? I'd say in the healthcare niche, it is more difficult than any other niche that is out there because of the EHR, the patient engagement platforms and CRM. So you have triple the confusion and triple the lack of interoperability that exists. If you're a real estate agent and you can afford HubSpot, you can put every single client prospect in HubSpot, all the money you've made off of them, everything is linear inside of one CRM. And here, I'd say 80 to 90% of our clients use different EHRs that are either specialty specific, one of the big ones like Epic and Athena or Advanced MD or somebody along those lines, or they land somewhere in the middle with a non-supported EHR that you can't ever get a hold of anybody. So you can't do an HL7, you can't do SFTP, you can't do any integration. So that's something that's always, I guess, a holy grail to try to solve and proving it back to the cash register when it's insurance or it's cash based can be really difficult.
1: Well, a lot of it goes back to communications when, you know, you, we have a person talking to a person, we can always ask, yes. how did you find out about it? Sure. And it? And they're also in the tracking on that. If they give you Google, I never let them accept that answer because, or they'll say, I see on the internet because they saw you on Facebook on the internet. So I need to know, I ask if they can say internet or Google, I make them go one deeper anywhere else. Did you see it? You know, did got you to it. And a lot of times, sometimes we have to, with some of these campaigns, we have to go back to an Excel spreadsheet or even a paper spreadsheet and just track it manually and see what the reporting, because if, you know, my clients will say they're getting six new patients a day, they can track that manually. That's not a big deal. We have a marketing person in the office who they can enter that the spreadsheet and then they have it for a monthly number so we we have that but never accept the internet answer or google i never 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 do that because you know how many clicks you got on google you know how many views you had and so those numbers are not always you accurate so i think that's important for moving forward and trackability again it's back to that communication factor we try to automate too much in a computer system and that's where i think people get overwhelmed because the system's broken and they don't always talk to each other as you were saying so I consider a system, anything I don't have to do. So if a person's tracking that, I'm okay with that. That's still a system and it's still automated. It just didn't mean me if this doctor had to sit there and ask everybody. If I got a, another thing is I like to see a fair number of my new patients for all my practices coming from direct referrals. And so that's got to have a name with it Yeah, for and sure. that's healthy. So my practices that don't go up and down are the ones that have a higher referral rate. And so if we're looking at 50% or to 60% of their new patients are coming for referral when they don't have the down months. Now, the other ones who are hardcore external marketing on everything, they go up and down, up and down, up and down.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And the referral ecosystem, because that's really what Kelly, my wife, uh, has focused on for her her career as a physician referral development side. That landscape has changed a lot too, especially with private practice acquisitions and roll-ups and MSOs occurring in the private ecosystem. And then you've got healthcare systems now monopolizing a lot of the private practices too. So they're closing their doors to a lot of what used to be external referrals that private practices were built on. You could have a two or three physician ortho group that was getting referrals for all of the healthcare systems that they were credentialed at. And now if you're not on staff there, they ain't referring to you because Mm -hmm. they own their own mega 150 orthopedic surgeon group that they're going to keep everything inside of. So it's been really interesting. And that shift has caused that three person ortho group to really reevaluate their direct to consumer program that they have because they can't live and die completely by referrals anymore. They've got to go out and find their own patients because that whole ecosystem is completely shifted over the last 3 to 5 years.
1: I think also when you look at marketing too and we look at trends, it, almost every healthcare professional I have, they have certain months that are lower. Um so when we look at marketing numbers too, if they're, you know, for instance, in, instance in dentistry, it's pretty universal September is a low month. Um, people are going back to school, summer's over. Mm-hmm. That and so when we talk about marketing efforts, if you're thinking about this September 10th and said, Oh, I need the schedule full. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, it's coming. So we always put a three month rule on it. They need to prep up three months. So we build a marketing calendar in advance. So we know September's bad. We know we're going to up our efforts in July and August even more than normal to handle what comes into September. And then, in you know, you know, some professions there's, there's trends too, as far as cross a month. So September's low in dentistry. So people come in for routine care every six months, that means February slow. Well, February is a shorter month. So that shorter month's feeding September. So the effort's got to be up in February and on the ball to make sure that month doesn't slip away.
0: Uh, that's Those are really good points. Yeah, looking at the cyclical side of things is really important in healthcare. I think a lot of it has changed, like what we see on the medical side that used to be the golden months of November and December for um, several, especially surgical subspecialties as people hit their deductibles and they get a bunch right. of the end of your testing and everything. Well, most people, especially if they've got a family plan, they're going to have a $15,000, 20, dollars $25,000 deductible that they're not going to hit. So everything has changed in terms of when they're going to get that care. There's not much of a chance they're ever going to hit the deductible. So they're still going to be paying out of pocket. And that seemed to have, we still see surges for sure at the end of the year, like when we closed out the year and the tailwind coming off of that going into January. But I think it is important to understand Things have changed, and because of how insurance has changed with that, has changed what used to be like certain months you could rely on a huge surge of patients. And now you have to take that into consideration that that probably won't happen, or at least won't happen to the extent it used to.
1: Right. And again, it's all back to that tracking and being really aware of your numbers. And so part of your projections and setting up that calendar is, is being aware of that. But I think any practice can have a certain. Feature months, so time marking to certain feature months of what you're, you're going to focus on and market for specifically for and letting people know that that's a feature month for that procedure. Now doesn't mean you're not going to do it any other time, but you're really working on getting the information out on that one and not everything's tied to that theme. So everyone's working to it. That helps a lot of practices too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. What do you say to because you you hit on it a little bit earlier when you were talking, but I really preach it's so critical to have the physicians, especially the physician owners that are the face of the practice involved in the marketing efforts to an extent within reason, obviously. What are you advising them in terms of how much time that they should commit? What should that look like? Because obviously their time is the most valuable resource in terms of them being in the surgical room versus them sitting in front of a camera filming videos. But what do you usually coach them on in terms of what they should expect or we should be expecting out of them in terms of their involvement in growing the practice, growing the brand and bringing new patients through the door?
1: Well, looking at time, that's not, it's dollars you're working on your practice, not in your practice. They have to look at that. And so it's, you know, that whole revenue where it seems like, well, I've, I lost $1,000 because I was off doing a video. No, what are you going to generate in future income? So you're, you're going to reuse your time wisely. But, you know, I find my, most doctors are at least not seeing patients one day a week. So we ask them to take a half a day, it might be three hour block, but that's their marketing time, a designated time. It's set in stone. They don't make other appointments around it. They don't take phone calls during that time because it's a consistent muscle when they use. So that's maybe meeting with their marketing assistant, their marketing advisor during that time, their office manager, they're coordinating that, anything that needs to get done. But most of that legwork needs to be done by somebody else. If there's going to be a video shot, everyone's going to have everything set up. It's been discussed. And I really am a big believer on batching things. So they're not shooting a video, even if they put it out, a, a information video once a week, they're batching those up and they're going to do several weeks at a time. So your time is used wisely in that time, but you're getting your numbers reports. You're, you're seeing what's working. If something's working, you have time to crank it up now and say, Hey, let's put more money into that. If something's not working, are we going to evaluate what's happened on it? Are we not tracking it properly? Is it conversion? Cause marketing it's only job, you know, for most people is to get the phone to ring and people to contact you. Conversion is on you at that point. Just like how your systems run the office. How's your team taking the person through? What kind of a relationship are you forming? How are you not discussing their needs without overwhelming them and how you make it easy for them to say yes. So that's the second part. So, you know, when someone says this marketing didn't work, I didn't get any money off of it. I'm going to say, well, let's see, Let, let's break that down because that's a whole different funnel. And you know, you got 20 calls off that and you got no patience. So what happened at the office?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. What are your, thoughts from what you've seen. Again, we've talked to how the kind of landscape has changed because of COVID, but as we're starting 2022, we've got people on here that are listening and saying, I want to grow my practice to new heights in 2022, or we invested money in the wrong areas in 2021. And we want to fix that and write that ship. If a practice that is listening out there has $10, so to speak, to keep it simple, where would you advise them or based on what you saw, say last year working with your clients that are the top two or three things that you think are working the best right now? Is it Facebook ads? Is it local SEO? Is it reviews? Is it social media? And I know that can really vary from right. subspecialty to subspecialty, but there's say 10, five to 10 major things that most people will look at, organic social media, paid advertising on these three or four major platforms like search and social. What would you say that you've seen trends wise as we start this new year, that would be the most important things to start looking at as a practice.
1: So it's a new year and I had $10 to spend. I would not be putting it on anything external. I'd go into my own charts, my own files and find anyone with unfinished treatment plans. And I would start with them first. It's like how can I reinitiate that conversation? How can I get them back in the door? Maybe it was too big of a plan. Maybe we need to get them back in and rescale it and see what we can accomplish. But your relationship, when it comes to getting that traction with people you've already spent money on and time on, your fastest tractions with your existing customers that have not finished care, or if it's somebody who needs uh, has been a while and you need to get them back through, because if you have that relationship, maybe they need something else that wasn't diagnosed there. So it's about starting there that's what i would do and i like how you said things that are not working and i need to stop doing that's what most people don't do that's why i think it gets so overwhelming they don't need to be doing a thousand things they need to be doing four or five key things and so if you know it's not working take that time energy even if you're doing it for free take that time and energy because that's the most precious currency you have and put it into something else you might need to scale back but don't add more plates until you have them all spinning in the right way
0: yeah, I love it. Uh, and that, it's not an answer that you hear a lot and because it is too overlooked and it's something that we evaluate right when we come in is what does your internal marketing program look like? Because it is the that is the by far lowest hanging fruit, their lowest cost per acquisition because they're already through the door and recaptured. Most profitable. Most profitable. It's just new, it's just refound revenue. Mm-hmm. And even most of the time when you're looking from a bootstrap standpoint to how do I fund the other marketing efforts that we want to continue to scale? It's like, well, you can go find money right there it's sitting right there is your existing patient base that haven't been in in a long time or maybe surgery was recommended and the surgery was never followed through or they booked an appointment and they never showed up and they're all right there i mean just recapturing that is found revenue for very, very, very minimal work. And I think that that's where it's often forgotten is your email list. Like everybody's focusing on a lot of other things, but your email list still has the most probably incredible amount of money sitting inside of it that's completely overlooked.
1: And they don't use it.
0: Yep, they don't use it at all. They
1: don't don't build a relationship. They're not a regular communication with them. You know, if you don't call me, I'm not calling you. Well, that's not how you do it. You got to keep track that if you really want to be in business, that's your job.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, as we're wrapping up, any other advice? I know we were talking about making the practice more attractive. Any any final thoughts that you have that, you know, whether it's trends or things you've seen, or maybe something that we didn't cover that you'd like to leave the listeners with as we're at the start of 2022 and they're looking to grow their practice and, and just be a better relationship builders with the patients that they have and the patients that they want to bring through the door?
1: Sure. I think, you know, it's time to take inventory. It's a new year. We look internally at ourselves. We need to look at our businesses too. And, and as you've already mentioned, we go through and make a list of, you know what, this didn't work. I call it groundhog days, what we do in our our business. So we go, what worked? We'll write it down there. Things that need improvement, things that we just need to stop doing. And then there's always a list of things that we didn't get to. And so I call those mad money. I don't, I don't touch those unless I know they're going to work, but you know, it's going through and seeing who you should be communicating with. Who's your ideal patient, go back and look at all that stuff and kind of refocus because it's easy to map your course. If you know your starting point and you know who you're going after. And I can't stress that enough. New patients are not going to solve you. Their problems, usually it's internal. We got to fix some stuff in there and using the existing patients we have, that's where we build that basis. And then we trickle out from doing there. And if you've been in practice for two months or 20 years, we all need to go back to that starting point and just kind of clear the clutter because that's, you know, that's how you get a junk room in your life. You get a junk room of stuff that you're doing that you don't need to do. And, and, you know, I, I think I have a resource that we go through to determine who your ideal patient is and I'll give that resource out if it's okay. Absolutely. This is an exercise I do for myself. We go through every year and I, I tell all my clients. You go over to my website at gingerbratzel, that's B-R-A-T-Z-E-L.com slash patients. I have a guide about attracting all the patients you need and keeping them in your practice. And we talk about who to go after. I have that that exercise, you know, who's the best one, where do they hang out? And so that just helps you zoom in a little closer and that's all there for you. It's a free resource and you can download it and help you with this process.
0: Well, fantastic. And we'll make sure that we have that resource linked up in the show notes too. So that way everybody can find it really easily. Well, thank you so much. I loved hearing your story and and the natural shift that you've made to help other practices um do what you were able to 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 do with your dental practice. So thank you so much for taking the time and and helping advise all of our listeners as we're moving into 2022 and they're ready to to get things right in their marketing efforts. And before we sign off, to let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. I know you mentioned your website, but LinkedIn, all of those good stuff before we sign off.
1: Yeah. The, you, you know, you can LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn ginger, uh, Dr. Ginger Bratzel.com. Facebook. We have an active Facebook communication, DM us there. And you can also reach out to us, you know, phone. I find people want to talk to somebody and we like to talk to people too. And you can reach us at 405-220-254.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. All right.
2: Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the patient convert podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies. it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website KellyNot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course